Denomination, a recognized autonomous branch of the Christian church. Have you ever wondered what denomination best represented Christ and his church? Maybe you attend a non-denominational church and love the importance of the community. Or maybe you visited an, an Assembly of God church and enjoyed the artistic ways of worship. Or maybe you are new to the idea of talking about Jesus while sitting in a cozy coffee shop. Regardless of what aspect of God you follow, our number one goal is to love God and love people. This week we're talking about denominations, non-denominations, house churches, and the like. We discuss the differences between the three, as well as the similarities we can find throughout. 1 Corinthians says we are supposed to be unified in Christ, but if that is the case, then why are we so divided? We are for the spiritual nomads, the outcasts, and the ones who desire to ask the hard questions. A shelter in the desert, a safe place to share our thoughts, our hopes, and our dreams. We are pursuing the truth, and we don't care about the consequences. We invite you to come and sit at our table and be a part of our tribe. We are brave. We are bold. We are the Reckless Pursuit. Hey everyone, welcome to the Reckless Pursuit. My name is Elaine. And my name is Cody. And this is episode 63. So last week I was out whenever we sat down to record. I thought I had the flu, but it ended up just being a 24-hour thing. Cody never got it, thankfully. Amen. (laughs) But (laughs) Cody, how was doing the solo episode last week? It was awkward. You know, I've done one other solo episode and I'm working on a podcast that's all my own, but it's completely scripted and... A lot of what you and I talk about are bullet points and heartfelt stuff. And so it was weird not having you here because I felt like I was having to try to rein myself in all the time. And I felt like I was uh, easily lost because I'm used to having... There's no bounce back conversation. Yeah. But yeah, I'm used to someone else, you know, kind of coming back at what I say and putting in their points of view. And I didn't have that. So I was kind of all on my lonesome. Talking to the four walls and just trying to carry the conversation with you, yourself, and you. Yeah, it's hard to uh, to sit there and imagine. Like, I'm just kind of trying to picture people listening in, and I'm like, I'm sitting here talking, but then they don't even have conversation either, so it's just lonely. Hey, but you're going to have to get used to that, though. We're both going to have to get used to that. Yeah, but mine's all scripted. I write out everything I'm going to say for my other one in advance. Anyway, this week we're talking about what we were going to talk about last week, and that is church denominations. Woohoo! Can you hear the excitement in my voice? But no, seriously, this is a great conversation that needs to be had. And basically, when I say we're talking about church denominations, we're going to go over a few things about what the Bible says about denominations, what denominations are, how they came about, the good, the bad, and the ugly of them, and we're also going to touch on non-denominations and house churches. So we're going to kind of cover the spectrum, and we're not bashing churches, we're not bashing denominations as much as we're merely saying uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of the different views, beliefs, etc. in church. But before we get into that, a couple of quick announcements. You guys hear it every week, and I'm going to tell it to you again We have a community group, and we want you to be a part. The Reckless Community is for you, and we would love to hear your input. Go down there, click the link, ask to be a part, and we will add you. 
Also, if you get something out of this podcast, please share it on with a friend, drop it on social media, hit us up, tag us, do something, because we want to get this into other people's hands so we can hear their voices too. We sure don't want to be the only ones uh, out there with a voice, and we want to give everyone the opportunity to do so. So if you know someone that this would benefit, drop them a link. A bit of bad news. We're working on Project Outcast, a video representation of what this entire, uh, this entire, well, not just podcast, but blog, this entire ministry really is about. And sadly, here in Arkansas, the rain has been relentless. And here we are yet again, even though it's actually not raining right this second. We were supposed to be filming again today, but here we are delayed again because mud and it's we're filming in an old or not an old in an active quarry and the red clay is bad and it's muddy and there's still chances of rain all day not to mention we're delayed from our original time and we were supposed to be kind of more in like a, a wintry setting and now everything's in full bloom and it's hot and humid and just doesn't really work anymore so we're delayed till fall but that being said, keep in mind that there's still a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes. We're doing a lot of tweaks to make it even better, so we're going to use this time wisely. And if you want to keep up to date with that, there's a link in the show notes below so you can get on that email list and keep uh, in the loop on all things that is Project Outcast. And then the last thing we want to mention, I don't know if you guys follow us over at YouTube, but there's been crickets there for a little while. We kind of laid down the video thing while we were working on Project Outcast, but now that that's being delayed, we have some new video stuff in the pipeline that's going to be coming out here, hopefully in the next couple weeks. We've made some upgrades to equipment. Elaine and I both have new laptops capable of doing good things compared to the one we were using. We have more horsepower to do some stuff that we've wanted to do all along, so there's going to be some video stuff in the works, possibly bringing video to this podcast so you can catch it and actually see us, see our guests, see what's going on. And we're really excited about all that. So just kind of keep an open eye for information on that being dropped. And with that, let's get right into today's episode on denominations. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 13. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people, any of Chloe's peoples out there, what, whoop, whoop, that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. And sisters. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Hmm. So, it seems like the Bible is pretty big on God's people sticking together, yet here we are, a divided church every one of us holding our own set of beliefs, congregating together and pulling around each other and casting others out. We have entire systems dedicated to certain ways of belief. 
But the real question is, are these divisions bad or are they healthy? What good do they bring? What bad do they cause? And are we really in unity? Can we be in unity having such different beliefs and so many things that seem to divide us? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. We're talking about denominations and how they can benefit or cause us grief. So Elaine, I'm going to turn it over to you. What's your initial take on denominations? I don't think that it's wrong to be associated with a certain denomination. I think that denominations are great for having different, you know, unique personalities. We can benefit from different styles, different worship styles, different emphases on certain aspects of worship and church. There are different areas of interest where we can learn different parts of the Bible to focus on. And overall, I don't necessarily think that being associated with a denomination is bad at the root of them. So let's talk about what a denomination even is. So in the Christian faith, and I know someone's going to get upset about me saying this, but in the Christian faith making my stance there pretty boldly, there are three branches of belief, and those kind of come down to Eastern Orthodoxy, Roman Catholicism, and Protestantism. And I understand there's, you know, Quaker, Protestant, and there's Puritan and all that, but a lot of those kind of stem from Protestantism or kind of are wrapped up in a lot of the way we believe now. So talking now, for the most part, it's Eastern Orthodoxy, Roman Catholicism, and Protestantism. And we're not talking about orthodoxy or Catholicism today. We've done other episodes on Catholicism. We'll do more in the future, I'm sure. We'll touch on Eastern Orthodoxy. I know I do in itinerant, the new podcast I'm coming out with. We talk a little bit about that too. Today we're talking mostly on Protestantism. So I'm sorry, other guys, like follow along, give your input still. We want to hear it. But uh, even in Protestantism, we get divided even further. And I'm just kind of imagining a cup and you're pouring it out and it's kind of like, oh, now we have a third and now we have a tenth and now we have a 32nd of what, you know, the full body looks like. So further divisions of Protestantism are like, I don't know, Episcopalians, Lutherans, Methodists, Presbyterians, Baptists, Pentecostals, AG, Church of Christ, and then non-denom. And the list goes on and on and on. Even within Baptists, you have free will Baptists, you have uh, Southern Baptists, yeah, Southern Baptist, um, missionary Baptists. There's three or four different versions of Pentecostal. There's UPC, there's, I don't even know all the different Pentecostals. Methodists have different versions, and they're kind of in a big thing right now over gay rights and divisions happening within them. And so, what is this whole thing about denominations forming around different ideals? Well, obviously, like people attract like people. It's not abnormal for us to come together with people who who believe a certain way or who, who um, agree with us in certain aspects. But what causes these different denominations to form? Well, it comes down to three big points. And the first one is disagreements or fissions, and that's just people can't get along. We hear about this all the time. Church splits. Why? Because one person's offended at another person, and so they go off and do their own thing. Sometimes it's needed. Sometimes there's a reason behind the offense. Sometimes it's not. But it often ends in people going off their own way, doing their own thing, 
to better suit their own needs. Uh, I've seen church splits happen. It's devastating to a lot of people, and it leaves a mess in its wake. The second thing is disagreements on secondary issues. And when I say secondary issues, I'm talking about things outside of salvation. The Bible's pretty clear on a few key things. Love God, love people. It's clear on Jesus, the resurrection, and I know there's a lot of debate in that too, but it's pretty clear on what salvation is for the most part, and churches all mostly agree on that stuff, enough to get along for sure, but these secondary issues are the ones that really divide us. Things like, what is baptism? Is it full submersion? Is it being sprinkled? If you miss a nose, does it count? Or if you sprinkle some droplets, is that the same? Baptizing children, is that okay? Is that count or does it not? Is baptism what leads to salvation or does it not? What about talking in tongues? Is it still relevant in the church today? Did it look like what we think it looked like? Is it a bunch of people babbling incoherently, or is it an actual gift of the Spirit? And is it the initial physical evidence of receiving the Spirit? What about church structure? Who's in charge of finances? Who's in charge of making decisions, daily operations, hiring, firing, uh, counting money? What about uh, if women are allowed to teach or eldership? Or people who are divorced or who are widowed. And so there's a lot of stuff like that that causes denominational splits. What about worship? Is it okay to use instruments or is acapella all the Bible allows? I have a personal beef with that one alone as a worship pastor for years. But uh, what about modern versus hymns? Even dress, how you look, how you represent yourself. Yeah, what, what's acceptable? Do we present our best to God? Well, what if my style and what I view as best isn't the same as someone else because I'm not suit and tie or what have you? There's a lot of different things that lead to a lot of different divisions within the church. And these cause different denominations, different splits to happen. And then the last reason just comes down to talents and passions. Some people really prefer an emphasis on the message. Others prefer an emphasis on worship. Some people want to use their gifts to dance. Some people want to use their gifts to write. Some people want to teach. Others want to worship. Everyone has different talents and passions, and they're going to be naturally drawn to places or to create places where they can use their gifts. And there's nothing wrong with that. That is not a bad thing. So honestly, the main one or the main two of these that cause these de uh, denominational divisions that are the bad ones just kind of come from disagreements and uh, dif disagreeing views on secondary issues. And so what good do denominations do? Like what good are they for us? Is there anything good that comes out of being divided? Anytime you get a group of people together with a like mind and a like heart and like interests, good things can happen. Elaine already touched on a little bit of this, but 
we all have unique personalities that benefit from different styles of worship, different styles of teaching. We can learn from others in those specific interests and those atmospheres that are unique to each one of us and to our unique pool of interests can really emphasize those specific, uh, specific aspects of God. But there's a couple other things that are good that can come out of denominations too. It can accurately represent geographical areas and differences in cultural styles. If you ever go to another part of the world or just another part of the country or another part of the state, you can see just these differences in culture and how it emphasizes to their needs. And that's just the beauty of Christ is his expandability to reach beyond one culture or one subset of people. It really reaches out. It branches out much deeper than just than just white people or just uh, Hispanic people or just African-American people. It's cross-cultural, and you can really kind of get a good emphasis or a good understanding of other people through those cultures. Sadly, sometimes our Western ideals can overemphasize and push off on a little bit of people, but that's another conversation. And then another thing is sometimes it's good to have oversight. Having a governing body can help stabilize those core beliefs and try to create a form of balance within the religion itself. It can provide a hierarchy of, of understanding. It can provide um, just that oversight that I just said. It can do wonders for making decisions and being wise with spending, being wise with who is over what when it's healthy mind you there are definitely plenty of uh, uh, plenty of circumstances where it's unhealthy and we are left kind of in the wake of devastation here where that goes awry but in a healthy sense just kind of like a healthy business operation it can do wonders for just leadership in general but sadly the few good in denominations that we have there's also a lot of bad so let's just touch on those for a minute so some of the bad things about denominations, like we said, inherently denominations are not bad, but just like most things, we need to talk about the negatives and what can come out of denominations specifically. Um, there's a lot of separation division. There are people who are being put against each other. There are people who, because they can't agree, they go and divide. They take their people away from the main congregation if, if somebody was offended at specific church or specific denomination they go and make their own but not in a way of like oh we're gonna go focus on this style of worship it's like oh we're gonna take these people from that church well yeah i'd like to touch on that for a second i remember whenever i was volunteering for a Luis Palau festival that came to town if you don't know who that is google him but it was a festival that came to town had all kind of like big christian artists and all that and my youth group, I was a young teenager, and my youth group had volunteered just to be like on the prayer team or whatever. And I remember someone, like one of the teachers made a comment about predestination. One of the, like the teachers on the stage made a comment about predestination. And I grew up in the Assembly of God, and I was an arrogant little booger, to be really honest. I was just, I was one of those people that now I just probably don't really want to associate a whole lot with. And... I remember, and I feel really bad about this now, but I made the comment like, oh, he's Baptist. And I said it out loud. 
And in my head, I mean, now looking back, I realize like how arrogant, how conceited that was. I remember this one lady cutting me like the sharpest, meanest glare. And I thought she was like out of her mind for being so rude about like this way she like just kind of gawked at me. And now looking back, I'm like, man, I was an arrogant little little booger. Like I was just a mean, that was like mean spirited and hateful because the comment, like my comment was completely out of line. It had nothing to do with, with anything. Uh, it wasn't constructive. It was very destructive, actually. It was belittling to other people all over something that ultimately doesn't really make a difference in anyone's life, anyone's salvation. It doesn't change a thing, and yet here I was. And that was just the arrogance of of my denomination at the time. It was a better-than spirit of just hatred toward other people. I've seen that active in a lot of other groups, too. I was active in a Church of Christ church for a little while, and they really believed they were the only ones going to heaven. And I don't mean that in, like, the typical way of, like, Christian joking, like, oh, yeah, that group over there thinks they're the only one. No, I mean, like, they legitimately thought they were the Church of Christ, as in, like, the rest of the churches are sinful heathens who are destined for hell, and they're the only ones going to make it up there. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. Well, and I've actually been on the other side of that before because for most of my life I didn't really grow up in church until I was about in the eighth grade and then we went to a Baptist church and I've had amazing experiences my youth pastor Mark Cox we interviewed him on the show you know last year and so I never really had any bad experiences I never really had anybody like tell me that oh because I was a Baptist I was or wasn't going to heaven blah 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 but whenever I was in college, there were several people who associated with the AG church and had made comments about, oh, because I was Baptist, that means, oh, I didn't speak in tongues, therefore I didn't actually have the Holy Spirit, or I wasn't going to heaven, or I didn't really truly know Christ until I could speak in tongues. I just think that's bullcrap. Yeah, that's a very belittling thing to to say that someone doesn't have the Holy Spirit. Because it made me feel inferior. Because, like, even for a second, I was like, am I really saved? Well, and that's what it is. It's a superiority complex of I have something you don't, and you can have it too if you conform to this way of believing. And that's a whole... Tongue, tongues is a whole other conversation. I can go a long time on tongues. We need to do an episode about tongues. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, mm -hmm. and so that's just one of the thing. One of the bad things about denominations is that there's a one way of thinking there's a one-sided view depending on whatever view you hold it's where only these people will go to heaven there also causes major confusion especially with new believers because somebody who is accepting christ for the first time or wasn't really sure when they were a kid they're like okay well i'm a christian and then people say oh well, what church do you go to and they'll say and then be like oh well what denomination is that and you're like i have no idea what is that i thought we were all church i thought we were all god like all god's people and then like it just causes a lot of confusion of like oh well maybe i should speak in tongues or maybe i shouldn't use instruments and it's just like there are so many things that we're arguing that don't even matter oh yeah i mean it just it goes on and on and on and i would i, I feel really bad for anyone walking into the Christian faith under this mantra of love, but in disguise, it's division and callous, like, um, I don't know, almost like backstabbing behavior of, or superiority complex that arises out of it. Because how are you to know? 
no wonder so many people are turned off from Christianity because here's Jesus trying to teach, hey, this is available for everyone. And yet we come along saying like, oh, well, those people don't have it right. They're false teachers. No, those people don't have it right. They're false teachers. And I'm going to blow some people's minds here for a second. But how much of what we originally believed or how much of what we think we know is because that's what we were told by someone else who was told something uh, and it's just passed down. It's not our way. Have you ever thought about like, what if you could read the Bible with no prior knowledge at all, no previous understanding, completely fresh mind? How many things will we pick up along the way that are completely different from the way we believe them now? That's what happens so much with deconstruction is you have this point in your life where you go, oh, crap, I thought I knew all this, but I've been so wrong. I You kind of look at other people's way of believing. You look at other people's lifestyles and you realize, hey, they have something that I don't have. And while sure, uh, church A can have something church B doesn't have, church B can also have something church A doesn't have. And that's just where we can all learn from each other. And... Uh, that confusion could lead so many people away from Christianity in uh, just right out the gate. And going back to that whole deconstruction bit I was just mentioning, if we were to take some time just to look at what we be- uh, what we believe, it's kind of like, um, did you ever play the game Telephone, Elaine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's where you have a group of, say, like you're basically like a classroom. And you go in order, and it's like one person makes a phrase and whispers it in the next person's ear. That person whispers it in the next person's ear. By the time it gets to the end, it sounds completely different. Mm -hmm. How much of that's happened in our faith? Because it's easy to gloss over uh, things we think we know. You can read John 3.16, and you just gloss over it. And it's it's like reciting a pledge. It's like, I know this. I got this. But what if we stop and actually think about every single word what if we meditate kind of going back to what uh, what eric nevins uh tries to do and just his meditative uh, meditative prayers and you know that's an episode we had not too long ago just a couple months ago and it's trying to understand these common things that we gloss over so easily and just get them on a deeper level and realize like oh wow just because we think we know the answer doesn't mean we know the answer at all And then one, I feel like one of the worst things that can come out of denominations is that there's no longer a one true church because of these divisions. People start making up their own rules. People start believing and following their own things. They stop following the biblical teachings and just start making up crap, honestly. And it just causes a lot of strife between people. People start creating their own denominations based on um, not the focus of these unique personalities and styles, but creating other denominations or non-denominations based on their hurt and their bitterness and confusion of, oh, we're not going to worship like those people. We're not going to talk to God and pray like these, like those people. And there's so, so many offshoots that you it blurs the lines of what true church is, and you just become super confused even for strong believers even for people who have gone to church their entire life even going to different denominations and trying out like there's so much strife that there's no longer a one true church there's no longer just a general thing of believers who believe in christ and who love each other and i just want to take a second to say maybe there's some of us saying and that's why we need to get back to these 
hardcore principles were taught well, let's just take a second and realize a lot of these things we think we know are not accurate to what the Bible's saying. A lot of these things we think we know have been taken out of context. There's so much that goes into that. And yes, different groups of people have better understanding of different aspects of God. And yes, there are things that we are supposed to do as Christians. But at the same time, there's also a ton of things that we take as law that are in fact not really 100% truthful. And we look at, uh, you know, I kind of think of like old-timey, I don't know, this is just the people I have in my head, and I'm not trying to stereotype all of us because I kind of have fallen into that group too, but it's old-timey religious Southerners who are just like God guns in America, right? And there's nothing like inherently wrong with those three statements, but you you understand the type I'm talking about. And like I said, I fit into that category before too. So I'm, I'm able to talk about us because we, I've, I've been there. And uh, you kind of go, wow, we have shaped a doctrine around our westernized belief system over the past couple hundred years. But if we could look at this through a, an Eastern point of view, it would look completely different. If we looked at this through another cultural point of view, it would look completely different. It's not necessarily that we have to get back to, oh, we got to get back to the rules and regulations of the old days. No, it's we got to get back to the heart of Christ. And that's what really, really counts. And out of all of this denominational bullcrap has arisen the most modern um, of all of these, and it's the non-denominational. And it's the group of people who are like, we're not going to call ourselves denominational anymore. As I say, it's kind of oxymoronic because it says in the name, or a misnomer, or however you want to call it, non-denomination, yet it's a denomination in itself. Yeah, and I, I do agree it's not like traditional dom- denomination of itself, but they are kind of all, they mostly, mostly, and this is a vague term, uh, they all kind of ascribe to a similar philosophy, but they don't have like a regulatory system over them. They network, but they don't necessarily have, like, um, home office, corporate offices. But a lot of them do now, and I think that's what you're saying. Is like you look at gigantic mega churches that have 30 campuses or 100 campuses or whatever. And some of them are non-denominational Right, churches. but they've created basically—well, really, they've either created a denomination, but even more so, to me, they've created a Walmart-style, like, capitalistic window shopper church experience— and, um, you know, we kind of pick and choose what we want to believe. We kind of create these systems where I guess it's good to have a similar experience no matter where you go. But at the same time, churches are intended to be in their spot to benefit that city, not necessarily just to um, globalize that one belief. I don't know. It's, I don't, I'm well, there's about no that. freedom in that. Yeah. And so nothing against non-denominational churches. I think a lot of non-denoms are great. Most of the my adult life I have spent in non-denoms, and I think that there's a lot of good that comes from those and also a lot of problems. So we're not sitting here bashing them, but we're going to go ahead and highlight a couple of the good and bad things that come out of non-denominational. And the good is it's freedom to be flexible. There's nothing quite like not having a bunch of rules and regulations to follow. You can go by the Bible, and you can just do this thing, and you can be flexible. You can 
have the ability to direct resources directly into the communities versus having to go through all these other systems. Uh, you can directly be the hands and feet of Christ, per se. There's a lot less red tape to navigate, just going back to all of those. Um, you know, the, the church's responsibility is directly tied to that church. It's not tied to an, a governing entity. And then there's that possibility to cross boundaries and bridge the gaps with other denominations and religions. There was a church we were going to that uh, did a great job, and I, I think they had a lot of shortcomings, but one of the, the good things they had going for them was every single service. They would call up that week and talk to a pastor in a local um, body, and it was all across all different denominations, across all different types of people, and they would present that prayer request of that pastor to the congregation, we take time to pray for that other church who was having service uh, the same time we were. I think this is a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing to just cross those uh, denominational, uh, those religious gaps, and just to bridge that gap to just bring humanity back to other groups of worshipers and believers. I think that was a wonderful thing. But with every good, there's also bad. And we're going to talk about some of the problems of non-denominational churches. Elaine, you want to take that for a second? I can. I feel like all I'm talking about is the negative. I can do the negative. <laughs> I can do it, or I can do some of them. With non-denominational churches, there's often no oversight, whether that's finances, whether that's ministry techniques, staying on course, doctrine, the decisions, and a lot of non-denominations are solely based on the pastors and pastors alone. There's not like openness. There's not a vote. There's not a let's bring this in front of the church and we talk about it. A lot of times like they just make a decision and run with it. That can be good, but that can also be very bad. Mm -hmm. um, there's also hoarding of resources and overusing volunteers, overusing teachers and leaders and overusing people and and Again, finances, overusing money, overusing the things to benefit the church. Again, not necessarily a bad thing to keep your church running and keep your church going, but there comes a time where you need to give people breaks, especially people who are volunteering their time. And you know, you, there needs to be a time for pastors themselves to take a step down for a while and you know, really just be in service and not having to lead service all the time. Yeah, and, and that can also, um, you know, kind of tie into this one. It's just causing a hoarding of resources in general. Most every megachurch is a non-denominational church because why wouldn't you be, I guess? I mean, like, at that point, like, it's easy to be a non-denominational church, and some of them have great systems in place. Some of them have cookie-cutter systems in place. But so much of that... Uh, of your mega churches or your feel good doctrine or just your surface level stuff that kind of, I don't know, there's a lot there. I'm not bashing mega churches. I don't, I'm not saying they're good and or bad. I'm just saying that a lot of mega churches are non denom. And some of them can hoard those resources and instead of using them for the good of the community, can use it to pay, uh, you know, almost like companies, how they, the executives make all the money and everyone else suffers. That happens in church too. I'm not saying all of them, but it does happen. And then megachurches also uh, cause a big problem of the destruction of localized congregations in favor of numbers. And you can favor, uh, favorite, or I guess what is, you kind of give play favoritism toward numbers and what appeals to mass groups to bring people in 
And it's all a system based on an emotional response to draw out those who give. It can viciously prey on those who are considered big givers while it de-emphasizes those who are small givers. And that kind of goes back to the whole woman who only had one talent to give versus those who gave all, uh, who gave large sums. And Jesus was saying, like, you know, she gave more than all of you. It has a tendency to kind of play out that whole system. Mega churches definitely can starve out smaller churches. And while I think that in a large percentage of at least the United States, there's an overpopulation of churches, and I know that might be a bit of a controversial opinion. It wouldn't be the first time that opinion's got me in some hot water. But I think there's too many churches because I feel like they're Especially all competing. Especially in the Bible Belt, yeah. They're all competing for butts in seats, and I think that's just that kind of goes right here to what I'm talking about. It just uh, churches are meant to spring up to feed a local area, and sometimes they end up becoming competition with each other instead of trying to network together. And one of the things that I've seen across the board, non-denoms and denominations alike, um, is the us versus the mentality where pastors will say, well, these walls or those people don't act like those people are. There's almost a I'm I'm better than I'm better than you mentality. There's almost a um, if you go to this church, you'll get saved, or if you go to this church, you'll you'll be highly praised, or if you go to this church or follow this denomin- non-nomination, you're actually following the Bible. You're actually following who God is. You're you're a real strong Christian. You you don't have a title next to your name, and also life happens outside of church. Mm-hmm. Is church important? Yes. Is community important? Yes. But church is not a building. Church is not a coffee shop. It can be. You can have church there. But church happens outside of the four walls of the typical church you think about on Sunday mornings. Church can happen anytime, anywhere. You know, you there can be love between people. There can be talking about Christ. This is church. This church. podcast is church. This is church for a lot of people who don't have something that they're having being poured into. Some people, this is their only form. And for a while, this was our only form of community and having church and talking about God and the Bible and life. And whenever you have denominations and non-denominations, um, having the pitting, against, pitting people against each other of having, well, if you need to act like us, you need to believe like us, or you'll end up like those people. Yeah, and I think this is just something else. It's kind of stepping out of just talking about like the bad of non-denoms or church in general. But and and I want to give a disclaimer here: churches do this to themselves as much as people in churches do this to churches. But we ask too much of churches. And now I know every single pastor out there probably right now would be like, "Amen." We ask too much of churches. We look for things in a church that we should be trying to fulfill elsewhere. It's not every church's job to evangelize. There are people in the church who are called and have a passion to go out and share the gospel, to share love, and the whole way we do evangelism is a whole other conversation. But it's not the church's job to save people. It's not. It's the church's job to give people spiritual growth and to provide community. Resources. It's the church's job to redistribute resources. It's not the church's job to entertain you. It's not their job to uh, create all these little small groups, all these different things. It's the church's job to teach or to help people understand. Love people where they're love at. Love people where they're at, yep. 
and to give them a network of believers. And that's the main thing. Church is a network of people who believe, who can come together to share in what they know, where they're at, and where they're headed. And to ask for more of church, to think that church's job, and like I said, this is why I say churches do this themselves. If a church thinks it's their job to go out and save people, they're wrong. It is the church's job to show people the love of Christ, the church being all of us, everyone who calls themselves a Christian, but it is not a single church's job to do that. I've heard so many times, we can just get them in the door, we can get them saved. We can get them in the door, we can get them saved. I'm like, they're not going to come in the door if they don't believe in Christ. And if they do, it's a fluke. Most of those people are wanting to experience that love outside those doors. And then if they get curious to learn more, I hope and pray they have somewhere they can go that shows them in a a loving, open manner that gives them the freedom to experience Christ for themselves. So what's the outcome of all this? There's no stopping denominations, honestly. They're here, and they're here to stay. And that's okay. As we previously stated, there will be groups that congregate together around different preferences. And there's nothing wrong with people who are passionate about finances, people who are passionate about certain spiritual gifts, practical teaching, worship, or even the marketplace. That's part of having separate callings, separate giftings, separate passions. The problem lies with us viewing others as less than for what part of uh, Christ they feel like they fit in. For viewing the body of Christ or the church as if you are uh, as if you are a part of it and others aren't, or shaming others for their specific interests. Denominational lines should all blur together in the sight of the greatest commandment, and that greatest commandment is the one we reference so often here on this podcast, Mark twelve twenty eight through thirty four. And just to sum it up, the two greatest commandments: love God, love your neighbor. Denominational lines should all blur together. It should not be harsh lines in this, you know, harsh lines shouldn't be walls. It should all blend together. To segregate ourselves in any of these ways is completely unbiblical and downright sinful. To chop ourselves away to tell us we're better than X group of people or we have it more together just shows our own religious bias and how caught up in our own ego we are. Remember, sin is not creation. It is the manipulation of what is created. And that sounds a lot like manipulation to me. While I believe that it's great to showcase different talents and different sides of God, I think we should all learn to work together. All denominations, all non-denominations, all house churches, all believers, whatever you belong to under Christ— we should all learn to work together. Even if you're not under Christ, like that's just a people thing. Like we should all just learn to work together and love each other. And I think all denominations should. I think all most, if not all denominations do teach God, do teach to love God and to love others. But different denominations may see different aspects of God and that's okay. God has so many different aspects. God created us all individually and all unique. So, of course, we're going to see different sides of God. Well, and that goes into the whole idea of different people wrote the Bible. God used uh, a large sum of people to write the Bible to give different aspects, different opinions, different interpretations of him. Henceforth, why wouldn't we all have our different personalities and gifts shine through? Mm-hmm. And so, 
denomination, different denominations aren't sinful. I believe that whatever denomination you belong to, however, I do believe that those two biggest commandments, love God and love others, should be what you work towards. That should be your goal. There should That should be your two goals that you strive after. It isn't wrong to have different ways of loving people, different ways of loving God and understanding them. Um, but it is wrong as a believer to divide yourself from other Christians based on your different offenses or different viewpoints. Mm -hmm, for sure. We're all called to work together, and sometimes that means highlighting those differences. But no one denomination is better than the other or has a better church service or understands the Bible better than the other person if the Bible really is open for interpretation. I mean, honestly, just like we said, we're all created with different understandings and different views of Christ for a reason. And God brings us all together just for that, to understand him on a deeper level. And the only thing we need to really be looking at when we look at denominations is does it follow those very two things, love God, love people. As long as you have that going for you, the rest will follow suit. Just find a place where you feel like you can grow. Sometimes that's a denomination. Sometimes it's a non-denomination. Sometimes your church may have it or not have it all together. And sometimes, oh, well, no church has it all together. Sometimes it may seem more traditional or more modern. But wherever you grow at, God can use you there. There are a lot of people that have been hurt by the systems we mentioned above, and we have heard a lot of justifications for these wounds church divisions have created. Things like, if you're hurt by what someone says in church, then you need to examine your spirit for flaws. This is BS. Churches in the evangelical space are known to use, abuse, and exhaust their resources. This is not saying that they're bad, but people are people, and people will take advantage of others at the expense of their faith, sadly. Faith makes us vulnerable, and vulnerabilities can lead to attacks. This does not mean to not be vulnerable, but rather to find a safe place to do so. Sure, we should not be easily offended, but when you feel attacked, worn out, or even just drained, it's okay to take a step back. And recently I've heard the idea thrown around that house churches are just... Uh, Places for people to come together to lick each other's wounds, which is a really gross analogy, mind you. And that house churches are wrong and against God or against the Bible. I just want to just kind of go ahead and tell you, screw that. Well, and I was going to say also there are a lot of denominations and non-denominations that are wound-looking churches. That is their sole purpose of being created because they were offended. So... While not all house churches are that, not all denominations aren't that. And it's sad that we even live in a time where people have to, quote-unquote, lick each other's wounds from church. But the truth is, we've all been hurt in some way. And that's the beauty of finding a group of people who understand and just pursuing Christ deeper. And if a house church is that for you, the Church of Acts met in a lofted room. And then they met on a porch. So if the church would just do its freaking job and stop treating everyone like they're, I don't know, the enemy, 
maybe we wouldn't have so many wounds to treat. Life is hard and sin is complex enough. We don't need more damage from the institution designed to help. Give people a break. Show them mercy. Show them love. And let's just do this thing together. We don't always have to build a bigger empire. We don't always have to do more. Sometimes we just need to rest in Christ. And let people pursue him at their level. Don't try to force them into something else. So the question that we want to ask this week is, how can we better look past our differences and find our similarities in Christ? No matter what denomination or non-denomination or house church you are a member of, we just want to know, like, how can we better love each other? How can we better understand each other? How can we better love and understand God through our differences? And how are we similar? Yeah, so send us an email, drop us a voicemail from therecklesspursuit.com, or drop us an email from the community. We're here for you, and we love you guys. Once again, Reckless Community, links are below. We want to hear your voice. Also, if you got something out of this, go and click that subscribe button to keep up to date with all of our new episodes. And of course, don't forget to go down to the bottom, click that little box, and write an honest review We want to do our best for you guys. And by leaving a review, we know what you guys like, what we can work better on, and how we can better serve you. And until next time, be brave, be bold, and be reckless. We'll talk soon.